0: Does anybody have 57 cents? I can hear it already. Oh no, we've just started and he's already asking for money. Stay with me here. Anybody got 57 cents? 57 cents isn't a lot of money these days and there's not much you can buy with 57 cents anymore. But 57 cents changed a small church for the better and it all started with little Jenny Smith. She was a young girl who once stood outside of the small church from which she'd been turned away because it was too crowded. I can't go to Sunday school, she whimpered as the pastor just happened to walk by. He saw her poor appearance and shabby clothes and guessed the reason. So he took her by the hand and found her a spot in Sunday school. When Jenny got home, she went to bed that night. She kept thinking of the children who had no place to worship Jesus. Unfortunately, two years later, Jenny passed away in her poor, run-down apartment in a housing project. Her parents called the kind-hearted pastor and asked him to handle the final details. And as she was taken away, he found a worn and ragged little purse that she must have gotten out of a dumpster. Inside this purse was 57 cents and a note scribbled in childish handwriting which read, this is to help build the little church bigger so more children can go to Sunday school. Now I could stop right there and preach a sermon all day long on that. But the story gets better. For two years, she had saved for this offering of love. And when the pastor read this, he knew what he had to do carrying this note and the little purse he got into the pulpit and he told the story of this unselfish love and devotion. He challenged his deacons to get busy and start raising money for a larger building. But it doesn't end there. A local newspaper caught wind of it and it published a story about this sweet girl and a realtor read the story and offered a large parcel of land, but the church couldn't afford it. And when he was told the church could not pay it, He offered it for 57 cents and checks coming, started coming in from all over the country. Within five years, Jenny's gift had increased to a sum of $250,000, a huge sum of money at that time. Her unselfish love had paid massive dividends. By the way, If you ever get to go to historic Philadelphia, make sure you stop by Temple Baptist Church, which now seats 3,300 people. Have a look too at Temple University where thousands of students are educated and trained. And check out the Good Samaritan Hospital and the Sunday School building, which houses hundreds of children. So no child will ever be told there is no room In one of those rooms, you will see the sweet picture of a little face, that little girl, Jenny, whose 57 cents made such a remarkable history. Alongside of it is a portrait of her kind pastor. And she was willing to give up all she saved so more kids could come to church. She was willing to give up 57 cents. How much are you willing to make a difference? Are you willing to give to make a difference in the life of someone? We are called to make a difference in other people's lives. We are supposed to be living this life not just for ourselves, we're supposed to be inviting as many people to church so that we have a continual problem of not enough room. The Bible tells us to witness over and over again. Here's one example from a book of the Bible we don't often quote from. This is Jude. Uh, Jude only has one chapter. So this is Jude 1, uh, 22 and 23. It says, be merciful to those who doubt, snatch others from the fire and save them to show others mercy mixed with fear. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. See, effective witnessing saves people from hell. And we are to snatch them from the fire and save them. The problem is today, too many churches are taking this witnessing lightly. We are not serious about searching them out. We are not concerned about the outcome of so many people. Now, if you ask Christians if they're concerned about this, they'll probably say yes. But if you ask them, what are they doing about it, you get a different answer. Someone has said that the epitaph of this society should be, this civilization died because it didn't want to be bothered. Here's some amazing things in the news that have happened kind of recently. In New York City, a mailman was shot by a sniper. He staggered into the lobby of a hotel, and because he was dripping blood on the carpet, he was thrown out and he died. In Oklahoma City, a woman gave birth unexpectedly on the sidewalk, and bystanders turned their heads away from her. A taxi pulled up and saw what was happening and then drove away. In Dayton, Ohio, a dozen people saw a woman drive her car into the Miami River and they watched indifferently as she climbed onto the car roof and screamed that she couldn't swim. And then she drowned. So many incidents like this have happened that the Chicago Sun-Times actually has in their library a special file called apathy. This civilization died because it didn't want to be bothered. Hopefully, that doesn't describe us. I, for one, certainly don't want to be known as someone who didn't care about those around them. Whether it's someone who can't swim that needs help, or someone having a baby on the sidewalk, or someone in need of Jesus. I want to be able to do my best to help them. And I think a lot of us feel that way. But we don't always act that way. You see, it's easy to become jaded by our society. Too many homeless people are asking for help and you get hardened to their requests and start ignoring them. Or you see a TV report about people who just go out and bay because it's easier than working and we get jaded and we don't want to get hustled and taken advantage of. And I wonder, does that happen with regard to our relationship to God too? I think it can. Sometimes we think that here in America everybody has heard about Jesus and so we don't have to say anything about it because somebody else has or will take care of it. It's not my responsibility. I'll give a little bit of money to the missions offering at church to help those poor folks in third world countries, but here in the good old U.S. of A, everybody knows. Everyone has had a chance to make a decision whether they believe in God or not, right? Wrong. There are a lot of people who have been brought up in homes where no thought, good or bad, was given to God. People who went to public schools and learned atheism, because that's the religion we teach in public schools. Parents who never told their children about Jesus or God. Maybe because the parents didn't believe, or maybe they had a bad experience at church, or maybe they never heard either. I don't know. But if you've gone your whole life believing one thing, that there's no God, for example, it's hard to switch and believe something else. It's not an easy thing to admit that maybe you didn't have all the facts and you need to make an adjustment. We need to be aware of that when we're sharing our faith. As Jude says, we need to be merciful. Be aware of what you're talking about is difficult for some folks, but we still need to do it. But what I really want to talk about today is maybe we never considered the fact that we as individuals have a responsibility to care for our neighbor's salvation. Now, I'm using neighbor here to refer to people in our lives that we come in contact with. And that might be family, or good friends, or acquaintances, or even someone we just met. I just talked about this uh, some in my last sermon on January 30th. So many Christians think it's not their responsibility to tell others about God. I'm going to be crystal clear here and very blunt. That is wrong. It is absolutely our responsibility. It is what God has told us over and over in the Bible. It's our responsibility. And when we look through the Bible, there are so many examples of this, Old and New Testament. Abraham is bargaining with the angels over how many good people they can find and still save the cities. Noah, nearly all the prophets. And of course, in the New Testament, we have Jesus and the disciples and Paul. It's a theme that is well represented in the Bible. I found a quote from Charles Spurgeon, who would have been a social media influencer, you know, if the internet had been around in the 1800s. Uh, He began preaching at the age of 19. And by the time of his death, in 1892, he had preached almost 3,600 sermons. And he had published 49 volumes of commentaries, sayings, antidotes, illustrations, and devotions. Listen to what he says. Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. You can be sure of that. The saving of souls, if a man has once gained love to perishing sinners and his blessed master, will be an all-absorbing passion to him. It will so carry him away that he will almost forget himself in the saving of others. He will be like the brave fireman who cares not for the scorch or the heat so that he may rescue the poor creature on whom humanity has set its heart." If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. And if hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exhortations. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Wow. We know what Charles thinks about the topic. If you don't care for others going to heaven, then you aren't saved yourself. That's a sobering thought. We talked two weeks ago about how few Christians think it's their responsibility to tell others. Does that mean those people aren't saved? I'm not the decider of that, but it's certainly something to think about. If you're unsure or not yet convinced and maybe you certainly don't know how to do this whole sharing your faith thing, here's a few things that may help. Number one, understand this is a requirement, a command from God. It's not a request or a favor or a please do this if you have time and it's convenient. Most kids know that when mom leaves out a list of chores when she goes out, They should be done before she gets home, right? Jesus left us a list too, except there are only a couple of chores on it. And we know this verse. We've been talking about it. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority. How much authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now These expectations have become known as the Great Commission, and his words should inspire the same sense of responsibility that it did with the disciples. The Commission isn't for other Christians. It applies to all of us. Paul cared deeply for the lost, both Jews and Gentiles. Look at what he says in Romans 9 verses 1 to 4. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel." Now, that's a pretty powerful statement. Are you willing to be cursed by God and cut off so that your race could be saved? That's an amazing thought. I'm not sure I'm up for that personally. Barna published some research back in 2004 on how different races viewed their responsibility to tell others about God. 49% of blacks strongly agreed that they personally have a responsibility to tell other people about their religious beliefs. That's pretty good. Nearly 50% of black folks believe they should tell others. Only 36% of Hispanics believe that, and only 33% of white and 33% of Asians believed it to be true. Now, I'm sure we could examine the many causes of this difference for quite a while. But I'm betting one factor plays a huge role in this. It's what is preached from the pulpit. The black churches have been making more of a priority of this because the black pastors talk about it more. And this is why we're talking about it in this series. Number two. If you want to make a difference for how you feel about the lost, meditate on Christ's heart for the lost. After Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus, he clearly states his mission. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He lays it right out there. You don't have to read the Gospels too closely to get a glimpse of his passion for spiritual needs. So How do you do that? You could devote yourself to reading through the gospels and highlight instances where Jesus demonstrates his intense affection for the lost. Find a constructive way to internalize these passages. You could journal about them, write them down. You could memorize them. You could get together with some friends and discuss them. Do something that helps you internalize these words of Jesus. The third thing you can do is pray for a heart for the lost. God loves us enough to have sent his son to die in our place. He is more passionate about people being reconciled with him than we can imagine. And if we lack that enthusiasm, it only makes sense to go ask him for it. The mistake too many people make is they try to hide their lack of passion from God but that didn't make any sense. He knows better than you do whether you're concerned about those who don't know Jesus. But I think he would love it if you came to him and simply said, Lord, I'm not as eager to share my faith as I should be. Please share your heart for the lost with me. Simple prayer. I believe that's a prayer that will get God's attention and that's a prayer that he will answer. Number four, spend time with mission-oriented people. God tells us that Jesus has filled the church with various gifts. Ephesians 4 uh, 11 through 13 says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We know this, right? We all have different gifts and we do different things for the church and some of us are good at art and some of us are good at music and some of us are good at public speaking and on and on it goes, But too often we hide behind this and say, it's not my gift to be an evangelist. I'm a behind the scenes person. Now, you may not be a public speaker, but we are all called to have a heart for our fellow human beings. We are all called to love each other and care for each other. And that includes the lost and their salvation. If you're not sure how to share your faith, hang out with some people who do share their faith. Learn from them. Learn how to look for opportunities to be intentional. It's what we're called to do. I firmly believe that caring for other people, even the lost, is essential to our Christian faith. I know we aren't supposed to judge, But if someone tells me they're a Christian and they don't care for the salvation of others, I will really question whether they're a Christian or not. And if you find yourself in that spot today, it's okay. You can make a change. Pray that God and the Holy Spirit will change your heart so that you can make a difference in the lives of others too. Pray for a way to to move forward. Pray for God to bring somebody into your life and show you that you have an opportunity to share your faith. It might be a little scary. You're not always going to be successful. Some people are going to reject this message. But we are called to care about others. Hopefully, that'll be something we can begin to work on this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the wonderful, wonderful examples you give us in the Bible of how we are to care for people who are lost, Lord, who are far from you. Help us to be the kind of people that turn people back towards you and show them a way to make their way back to you. Back to you or maybe even for some, for the first time, maybe they've never heard, Lord. Help us to have a heart for the lost. Help us to, to be willing to step out, to risk something, and be a little bit vulnerable, and, and to, to be willing to share, Lord. If we are truly excited about you and our relationship with you and spending eternity with you, Lord, we should be dragging as many people along with us as we can. Thank you so much for what you've done for us, Lord. Give us an opportunity this week to share our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a good week. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.